Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. It's my privilege. This is this is incredible because I, I already shared this with you, but um, uh, I put out a thing on Facebook asking people who would you like to see come on the show, and and you were like the most requested person. People were like um, Nancy Cohen, Nancy Cohen. So I didn't even uh, reach out to you. I I, <laughs> I actually. Uh, purchase um one of your conferences just started listening to the to the session mm-hmm. and um and then i got a phone call hey nancy's gonna be in seattle uh would you like to have her would you like to meet her and build a relationship and i just thought absolutely like <laughs> I, I i just think this is so incredible so welcome to seattle well thank you and yeah. and thank you for thank you for having, having this conversation mm-hmm. i'm very very thankful to be here uh, how you really been? looking forward to to spending some time with you. Have you been to Seattle before? Or? I have. I used to come to Seattle quite frequently to do mostly businessmen's meetings. And there were several different groups that I spoke for. But it's been several years because most of everything I've done for the last 17 to 19 years has been out of the country. Mm. And so it's like a coming home party for me because I'm getting to uh, reinitiate uh, relationships with people that I had from business days. Well, welcome home. Thank you very much. It, it, it's interesting because I think it's probably in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having uh, I met Ian Clayton through a mutual friend, Justin Abraham, mm-hmm. and Ian was talking about this this businesswoman out of <laughs> Texas that was doing all this stuff in the nations, and he was telling a couple of stories that were just such wild stories. So I remember I was like, "What's the name again?" and and he was like, "You know, Nancy Cohen." And I went and looked it up, and it's funny in the marketing world, it's kind of like you are who Google says you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to see who does Google say that Nancy Cohen is, and I, and I looked you up. And there was like nothing, nothing online that I could find about you. So I thought, does this lady really exist? <laughs> and, and it turns out you do exist. And, I and, do. Now, and, and now, and now here we are, you <laughs> yeah. know? And so I, I actually thought it'd be fun to start off there okay. with that conversation because you were, you were, you were just doing all this stuff in the nations, totally under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but now Google says you exist and now, now, uh, uh, so if, now I'm real. Yeah, now you're real, <laughs> and you're and you're doing all this very deliberate um, mm. equipping and activating within the body of Christ, and, mm. and it's and it's so cool. Um, but if we could kind of dive in um, uh, more into your like more into the genesis of Nancy Cohen, like like that that mm. like what if you could bring us back to the beginning of when you're doing all this kind of stuff under the radar and you know, or wherever you want to dive in, I think it, it would help people kind of get to know who you are and and just that whole thing of you know intimacy and how it kind of precedes identity and authority and destiny. I think there's an opportunity here for us to get to know who you are even as as a person and then dive into whatever revelation stuff that's stewing all up in you. Yeah, that's good. Well, one of the reasons why you couldn't find me anywhere on the internet is in 19... 
97, the Lord told me to go to the seven mountains of scripture and to prophesy to the continents. And uh, I was on Mount Sinai, and this actually went out by satellite to somewhere over 180 nations. But the word of the Lord was, the greatest revival in the history of humanity is going to spring straight out of the seats of Satan. For the corporate son of man was binding the strong men of the earth that the restoration of the world might be unfolding. And the places of greatest darkness, deepest wickedness, and grossest depravity would become the linchpins of light from which the global revival would spread. And it was going to begin in Islam because God was about to keep some promises to the sons of Ishmael. As you can well imagine, when that word went forth, all, all hell literally broke loose against my ministry, and people got so mad, how dare you say that the greatest revival is going to spring out of the seats of Satan? And I said, well, first off, I didn't say it. He said it. So you want to argue, go argue with him, okay? Secondly, how dare you say that it's going to begin amongst the sons of Ishmael? And I said, well, God's a covenant-keeping God, and he made many promises to Ishmael when he and Hagar were in the wilderness. Go back and read them for yourselves. So God's a covenant-keeping God, and he's about ready to do some major, major stuff uh, with the Islamic people. After I came out of that uh, significant moment in my life, my entire ministry shifted. And in the year 2000, the Lord told me, get everything you have off of the internet because your anonymity is going to be your greatest protection. And uh, what I didn't realize at that time was he's going to be sending me into the Islamic nations of the world to begin to speak into the spiritual atmospheres of their nations to produce change. And many times since then, I've sat with Islamic presidents and their cabinets and people in high levels of government, economy, media, um, to to bring about a shift and a change and, and a rearrangement in what was happening over their nation. Now, if I could just uh, kind of uh, dive in. Um, now, so before you pulled everything off off the, off the internet, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of stuff were you doing up to, up to that point? And so before you were about to go on this amazing assignment, you know, mm -hmm. into into the Arab nations and, and to begin working on kind of this restoration endeavor. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what 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 did ministry and life kind of look like before you before you went into into these into these trenches? Well, actually, um, the word says the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. Mm. So even before I knew Jesus, I was a seer. And I, I grew up in a very, very legalistic, liturgical church. Wow. And because of what happened inside that church, in order to be qualified to take communion, you had to go three days a week, three hours a day for three years to classes. And then you had to have a whole uh, oral examination in front of the whole congregation before you were ever approved to even take communion. Wow. And so on the day that I did that, I was thinking to myself, uh, Lord, one of these days I'll be like those elders out there. And he said, really? Well, he's having an affair with his wife's best friend. She just had an abortion last week. He's cheating on his taxes. She's stealing from her boss. And I'm going right down the line. And I don't even know anything about the prophetic, but I 
just knew that what I was hearing was right. And so I turned against the things of God. And I became a very strong proponent against God and Jesus Christ and everything. And so um, in the very beginning, and for many years, I actually thought, well, God's only an excuse to give man a reason for things that he can't explain. And Jesus is dead, and he's in the grave, and he's not ever coming back again. But I praise the Lord that he had better intentions for me than that. So but even during that time, were you still operating in kind of like that supernatural realm? Like, so like you're like, I, I like the whole organized religion thing, like no thanks. But and yet this whole spiritual thing, my spiritual identity, mm. was there a sense of that or was there kind of, or did you go just like atheist during that time? Well, one of my childhood idols was my aunt and she was very good friends with Madeline Murray O'Hare. And so I fell under the influence of that whole spiritual network. And uh, but I'm I'm so thankful because looking back, you know, each one of us has a very uniquely orchestrated path to bring us to the fulfillment of the purpose for which we, we've been prepared. Amen. Amen. And I honestly believe, in fact, the Lord even told me that when I first gave my life to the Lord, I would cry out to Him, you just let me waste 10 years of my life. And He laughed and He said, it hasn't been a waste. It's all been for a purpose. And I believe that that purpose is today. I get sent to some of the darkest, most vile, most wicked hell holes on the earth, and there's nothing those people can't ask that I haven't defended myself wow. while I was an atheist. Wow. So when I, I look at them and I, I think, well, if Lord can change me, He can change anybody, because I was very hard-hearted and very anti-Christ-spirited, okay? Okay. And, and what, was, what was the turning point? Like, so you went from... You know, like forget it all to like, oh my goodness, here we go. Yeah. Um, my children were small, and we moved across the street from a man that I, to this day, and I, I tease him about it, and we're very good friends, but he was what I would consider a low-class, uneducated, Beverly, or no, 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 Kentucky hillbilly. Okay. And he lived across the street, and my husband and I were very into money, power, prestige, community position, all that kind of thing. And I just had nothing but disdain for this man and his family because they were poor, they were ignorant, they never got out of the second grade, you know. Right. And um, so one day, my daughter Shannon, she was outside in a rainstorm. And this heavy rain came up, and she ran into their house because she had developed a friendship with their little girl. And I had to go over to this house and get her out. And when the man of the house opened up the door, Jesus music came flying out. And I thought, oh, God, they're not only poor, ignorant, <laughs> stupid, greaseback hillbillies, but on top of everything else, they're Christians. It's like that's the lowest rung on the ladder, okay? And uh, But I... I, I, I took Shannon and I said, don't you ever go in that house again. Those are not our kind of people. And that day, the man of the house, whenever he opened up the door, he got a word of knowledge from the Lord. Wow. And the word of knowledge was, I'm going to use this woman in the nations of the world to win millions of people to wow. Jesus. Wow. And your assignment from me is to pay, pray for her every day until she gives her life to the Lord. That's incredible. 
The funny thing was is about two months after that happened, we moved 2,200 miles away, and I never, ever thought of that man again. And I honestly couldn't even remember his name. I, I, he just completely left my mind. But he told his wife, and he told all of his little hillbilly church about this word of knowledge, and they prayed for me faithfully for seven years. At the end of that seven-year period, I was still just as hard-hearted and anti-Christ-spirited as could be, but um, they went to a Kenneth Hagin seminar on how to win the lost through spiritual warfare, and they came home and began to put those principles into practice. And as close as we could figure, within the next three days, I woke up hearing audible voices. And it's kind of like a cartoon caricature. I've got an angel on one shoulder, a devil on the other shoulder, so one one of them would whisper the angel ah behold i stand at the door and knock if you'll just open the door i'll come in and immediately on the other side there'd be this voice you know jesus is dead and he's in the grave and he's not <laughs> right, ever right. and then this other voice would pop up and say but i loved you so much i gave my only son for you and immediately this other voice you know god's just a figment of man's imagination and these voices start i actually could hear audible voices. That's amazing. Wow. At, at that time, I had three very large businesses and three very small children, and I was not going to give in to these voices. So for the next seven days, wherever I went, they followed me everywhere. And it got to where I didn't sleep five minutes in seven days. I lost 20 pounds. Every time I'd eat, I'd get sick to my stomach because these voices would just not go away and leave me alone. And finally, on the eighth night, at one o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking, if I don't get some sleep tonight, my husband's going to have to put me in the hospital and shoot me up with something because I am so sleep deprived, I can't even think anymore, you know? So I went to lay my head down, determined I was going to sleep, and here comes this voice, go somewhere and pray, go somewhere and pray. I was so mad. Literally, I sat up in my bed and I shook my fist at the ceiling and I said, okay, you want me to go somewhere and pray? I'll go somewhere and pray, then go away and leave me alone. So I get out of bed, I get down by my bed, and I begin to pray these old, rote, memorized, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven, our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Right, right. And the more I prayed, the madder I got because I just could not get any peace. And so about one o'clock, in the morning, I actually wasn't even want, I don't even think I wanted Jesus, but what I really wanted was some sleep. So I, I shouted at the ceiling and I said, look, I confess, in all the years I went to church, I never really learned how to pray. So by God, if you want me to pray, you're just going to have to tell me what to pray. I was being very snotty, not in the least bit right. surrendered. And all of a sudden, there was this massive explosion of blinding blue-white light in my room, and it scared me so bad. I fell on the floor, and I grabbed my head, and I started saying, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Wow. And I covered up my head and all night long I mean you talk about repent 
I repented all the way from my toenails. And I even made up stuff I didn't do to repent. Uh, I had a lot to repent, <laughs> right, just right, to make sure right, right. I'm covering every base. You there know? was a blue white light. It was so bright, I could actually see every bone in my body like I'm being run through an x-ray. Wow. And I could turn my head, my head's on the floor, because I knew I didn't dare look at that light or I was going to blow into a million pieces. Wow. So I turned around and I looked, and I could actually see the two-by-fours behind the plastic in the walls and I could look down we had like four inch white shag carpeting at that time and I could see red wax construction markers on the concrete under four four inches of shag carpeting wow. and I just put my head down and just kept repenting and uh, all night long that went on and I remember at one particular time about three or four o'clock I guess I said uh, Lord I, I'm just so rebellious when I was only seven months in my mother's womb i used to kick her on purpose just to make her hurt <laughs> which was probably the truth you know so that took all night and my husband and i are going to be married 50 years this year congratulations yeah that, my grandson is my grandson is actually getting married on our 50th wedding oh, anniversary that's awesome but in all the years that we were married he was a very early riser and so he would get up every day at like 5:30 but on that day he slept until 7:30 and i'm thinking to myself What's the matter with him? I'm screaming. I'm crying. I'm like, my eyes are swollen shut, and he's sound asleep in the bed. And I'm thinking, why don't you get up and help me, you know? Well, of course, today I know why was because he had a spirit of slumber on him until the Lord was finished. Wow. And wow. so when, I, when he did wake up, I was still flat on my face on the floor. And he, he, he said, what are you doing down on the floor? And by now, I had had a huge revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And I reached, I jumped up on the bed, and I grabbed his face. I said, honey, you're just never going to believe it. Jesus Christ was sitting right here on our bed. And I'm laughing and crying. And he looked at me like, woman, you are crazy. And he actually called a friend of ours who was a psychiatrist. And he said, I, I think you better get over here. <laughs> about my wife my, yeah. get over here get, get over, over here, here. Bring, right, bring some pills right <laughs> so anyway from that day on of the very next day i had i went out and i bought a bible because i hadn't allowed a bible to be brought in my home for 10 years wow and um i i had this consuming desire and hunger for the word and i would go out and grab every homeless drug addicted alcoholic prostituted person i could find and i would bring them all to my home and i'd go just have to meet this jesus he's so beautiful you know and i and my husband unfortunately didn't change so when he would come home and I'd have all these vagabonds in our house. He was like, oh, what am I going to do with her, you know? And I think for, the, for several years, he kept thinking, she's just going through a stage. She'll get over it eventually. Just a phase. But it just, just kept getting worse. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah and thank you, thank you for bringing us into that whole, okay, so, so now you're back. You're, you're in love with Jesus, and like you've got this amazing word. You're pulling stuff off. You're, like there's that season of like preparation and everything, mm -hmm. and then um, and then you begin diving into these kind of like maybe you call them assignments mm -hmm. um, in, in, in in the nations. And um, would you be willing to kind of take us into some of those assignments and and some of those moments where you were like, where you were maybe even blown away by what the Lord was willing to do, like His authority. Within your authority and, and, and some of those some of those assignments, 
I have so many assignments, and I have so many people laugh at me, but I say I really do have thousands of testimonies about things that the Lord did that were so, so supernatural. Many of them have to do with protection, with divine protection in extremely dangerous situations. And one of them, in, in fact, many people would come into my meetings with the intention to kill me because I was in very strongly jihad-oriented wow. controlled areas. And one guy would come in, one guy would come in, and he was a very powerful jihadi. He had wild hair out to here, and he, he broke into our meeting, and it was in an area that was where a lot of people had lost their life for their testimony of Christ Jesus. And when he broke into the room, I could feel the breath getting sucked out of the room because many of the people there had actually lost family members to the violence of this one man. And so he's running down the aisle at the little hotel room where we were meeting and he's wagging his you know wagging his uh, sword in the air running right for me and the Lord said stop right now and just prophesied to that guy and he was about from me to where your camera is right there and I said sir I am so thankful you're here today you think you came in here to do damage to these people but the truth of the matter is you came here today by direct invitation from God Almighty who hung all the stars and the planets in their place because he wants to talk to you today person to person and spirit to spirit and this wild guy he just drops his sword and looks at me like what the heck because I'm not in the least bit fearful and I'm just standing telling him you've been invited here by God Almighty and so he drops his sword and he turns to his men and he, he holds up his hands like stop stop because they were there to kill people okay and um, so how I many, said how many men did he have with him like? I don't know maybe 10 to 12 wow yeah. wow and uh, so anyway he drops his sword <laughs> and I I said, the Spirit of the Lord is showing me that you're a very, very spiritual man. You've been looking for God all of your life. You simply have not found Him yet. But I see that when you were about eight years old, you actually investigated the possibility that Jesus Christ might be the Son of God. But eventually you rejected Jesus as being the Son, because if you accept Jesus as the Son, you must likewise accept the Father. And in your vocabulary, the word father is a dirty word because your father and your uncle sexually abused you the whole time you were growing up. And when you ran away from your home to escape their violence, your father took all of your legal inheritance as the firstborn, uh, divided it up amongst your seven brothers, and left you without a single cent. And the Lord is saying there's an open, gaping, bloody wound in your heart until this day because of the word Father. Wow. And with that, he wow. just fell over on the floor and started weeping and crying. Wow. So at that time, the people were expecting me to do all kinds of altar ministry. So they had this big strip of open area in front of the pulpit. So he called all of his men down, and they sat down, and the Lord told me to preach uh, or to teach them on the restoration of the Islamic people. And for four and a half hours, those men moved without, I mean, they could hardly even take a breath. And just the teaching going forth on the love of God for the Islamic people. Wow. 
So at the end of that time, this man, I found out later, had actually, he and his band had actually beheaded 500 Christians and burned down or nailed the door shut of 600 churches. Wow. And uh, so he comes up to me and he goes, lady, I don't think you really know who I am. And I kind of giggled inside and said, I could give you a good guess, okay? <laughs> he said he is the leader of all of the jihad schools in their nations where people from the Middle East would actually send their children there to learn jihad terrorism. And uh, in their school, they actually teach kindergarten children how to construct bombs, strap those bombs on themselves, and go into restaurants and blow At people kindergarten. up. Yeah, in kindergarten. That's crazy. In the second grade, they actually train them to take apart and put together M16 rifles blindfolded. So when I say this is really jihad training, he comes up to me and he goes, do you think there would be any possibility that you might be able to come to the school tomorrow and teach what you taught here? And I just laughed. I'm thinking to myself. To I'm go like, to the jihadist school yes, and to teach. Teach. And, 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 and I just laughed because nobody can do that but God. No. I am like five things they hate. Number one, I'm American. <laughs> Number two, I'm Caucasian. Number three, I'm Christian. Number four, I'm a woman, for God's sakes. Number five, a so when he asked me, can you come and teach, I said, well, I don't even have to pray about that. I'll be there in the morning. And that next day, uh, that man who cut the heads off of 500 you know, Christians gave his life to the Lord. That's incredible. And in wow. three and a half years. He's won a million and a half jihadis to the Lord. That's amazing. Thank so, you, Jesus. So, you know, wow. just stuff like that is wow. just, I, I, it blesses my heart so much because apart from God, that's not even possible. That is incredible. Let, let me just ask you, since we're on this, um, in 9-11, we had the the, the, mm -hmm. the big terrorist attack, mm -hmm. um, and things have happened, especially in Europe. We've seen a lot of uh, stuff there, but it's really amazing to me that we haven't seen an, an, another 9-11 here um, in the states since mm -hmm. since 9-11 and and sure a lot of people would say well that's that's because of our that's how, like such a great job the cia is doing or homeland security mm -hmm. and all these different co code orange code pink code you know um but why do you why do you think that is um uh, uh as far as um uh the level of protection that we've that we've that we've seen mm-hmm well, actually, I think that when you really follow the precepts of God, there is absolutely supernatural protection. Because I've been to the cannibals, I've been to the headhunters, I've gone into villages where 6,000 men all had their heads cut off on the same day, and they had mountains and mountains of heads and eviscerated bodies laying everywhere. But the protection of God is so profound that He just opens doors for complete restoration. And I think part of the reason is for the U.S. Uh, having been an exporter of the gospel mm. for as long as they have been has had a measure of protection because basically uh, they were founded on Christian principles. Mm. So that protect, protection has endured here. But the the other thing that I, I would really like to share and communicate with people is Historically speaking, the church has always grown by leaps and bounds during times of persecution, mm -hmm. and they've always floundered during times of prosperity. Right, right, right. And right now in the U.S., and um, I, I see that 
that the prosperity has actually become a great hindrance. Wow. Because in this nation, people, I, I, I mean, I've actually seen people raised from the dead, people's amputated arms being restored, and people say, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. And I said, well, yes, it does. Well, why don't we see it then? And I said, well, in the United States, if you get sick, you go to a doctor, you go to a hospital. If you're living in Africa or in Southeast Asia and prayer doesn't work, you die. That's right. Because there's no other alternative. That's right. Okay. Right. And so it, it, it inspires an increased level of functionality in terms of faith. Hmm. And that brings people into a very, very high level of functionability above and beyond what we can experience here because we have so much comfort that that the the comfort and makes us apathetic yeah, in, totally, a, lo in totally. a lot of realms. So when I go and I tell them about the things that are in China, for instance, they've suffered so much that their eight-year-old children go out and raise the dead. They don't even think of it as being a miracle because wow, it's just right. normal Christian life. In one particular place I was there, they send their eight and under children from village to village. And during the middle of the monsoon season, it can be whitewater rafter. The, the, I mean, the, 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 the currents are like amazing. The rivers are overflowing their banks. Every village is underwater. And these little children will walk across the river with a canopy over them that keeps their body dry and they'll walk into a into a totally flooded village that is being inundated by flooding completely dry and the whole village gives their life to the Lord because they saw a miracle it's incredible mm -hmm. So those things are happening all over the earth, and it's amazing to be to be in countries where you can see the hand of the Lord moving mostly in, towards the benefit of the people who are unloved, unwanted, unwashed, unacceptable, even in the eyes of the church, and to see the magnitude of passion that they have for Christ Jesus is mind-blowing. It yeah. really, really is. You know, one of the stories that I that I remember hearing, but I, I've never heard this from you. Um, this is one of the, the legends of Nancy th that are out there, <laughs> um, is a story where you're, I don't know if it was a headhunter village or something like that, mm -hmm. but um, somebody got mad at you and they threw a spear at you. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, sh and, and it should have hit you because yeah. these guys know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Would you mind um, telling us that story? <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to hear it from you. You know. Um, Actually, I would. Uh, one of these times when we get together, I would love to show you the transformations video that I have of them. Oh, that'd be awesome. Because yeah. Satan cannot create. All he does is take something that God has created it, and and even the term wicked, it doesn't mean diabolical evil. It hmm. literally means the truth slightly twisted. Wow. So God wow. in this hour is giving us the power to untwist Amen. the twisted counterfeit Amen. and bring it into the righteous real. So uh, one of the things, oh, I don't know if I even dare say this. If if you don't want me to, you can cut it out. Okay. Okay? But the... But 
one of the things to say it if you want to say it okay and i'll just sit here and enjoy it and you just sit here and enjoy (laughs) it okay uh when the lord commissioned me to go to the places of greatest darkness deepest wickedness grossest depravity he said inside of every nation every kindred every tribe every tongue of people there is indelibly etched on their hearts a priceless ingredient without which the body of christ will not be made whole so i said okay father so i'll go wherever you tell me to go he goes good will you go to the cannibals and i said well uh you know they still eat people right and because actually the week before i got there they killed and ate eight missionaries one week before i was sent in there and so uh this is not something you choose to do unless you have the commissioning of the, the week, lord to the do. week before you got there yeah. the tribe where you were going that same tribe well many tribes there okay. because they're, but they they mm-hmm. killed and ate mm-hmm. eight missionaries mm-hmm. A week before you got there. So I said, so Father, what is the indelibly etched principle that's in their heart <laughs> that without which the body of Christ will not be made whole? Wow. And he goes, they have an understanding that the body thinks they have, but they've not laid hold of the root of the principle yet. And that is the power resonating from the words, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said, you think you understand that, but you only understand it this much. Their life depends on it, okay? So he said, I want, it's been used for evil, and it's been corrupted, and it's been twisted, but you have the power to untwist it. So I said, oh, okay, so what, what else? Well, I want you to go to the headhunters. I'm thinking, you know, they still cut the heads off of people. And in fact, to get I love, into their- I love this. People are going to say, you know, on the podcast, they're talking about redeeming cannibalism, right? Like that's a great, <laughs> a great title for this, uh, great title for this podcast. It'll get us some ratings, right? Yeah, that's it. But anyway, the, the headhunters, which are really, uh, they have so many hundreds of heads, some of them two and 300 years old, hanging out of the branches in the tree to scare off any people or any spirit. And so you literally, honestly, have to swim through the heads to get into their camp because there are like hundreds of them. So I said, okay, what is the redeemable aspect that, that has been written on their spirit? And he said, they understand better than the body of Christ does. The power is in the head. And he said, why do you think they've spent 5,000 years seeking the head, seeking the head? It's been twisted, and it's been used for evil, but exactly how many people on church pews do you know that spent 5,000 years seeking the head? Mm -hmm. So we have the capacity to go in and untwist the thing that the enemy has twisted wow, up and wow. redeem it. So in regards to your question, as I was going from one village to another, <laughs> they would try everything to, to kill me, and they just couldn't do it. And this one guy, he because they have no domestic animals and no domestic crops, their whole lives are spent uh, just scrounging for food and the men actually have to chase down their prey so their legs are like huge and they're very good with their spears because Mm -hmm. if they miss the whole village goes hungry so because they have to chase them down they're very good spearmen and this one guy 
he he decided he didn't like me very well and so he started he he actually picked up a spear and threw this spear and the spear came to right about how, here how far how far away was he when he threw when he I threw would me? say probably 30 to 40 feet wow. something okay. like that okay and he threw this spear and it came right here so you're seeing this thing as it's released coming, from his hand yeah. and it's coming for you well, yeah and right here it goes bloop and it just falls down to the ground. So the spear comes right right in front of you, yeah. about a foot away from you, yep. and then it just hits the ground. Hits the ground. So he's confused because he never misses. So he reaches <laughs> over and he grabs his friend's spear. Maybe I spear. didn't throw it hard enough. Yeah, that's right? what he thought. So he picks up an, a second spear, and he throws that spear as hard as he can, and it comes right here and stops, bloop falls down to the ground wow now he's wow. very confused because he doesn't miss so he grabs his other friend's spear and throws a third spear that first you don't succeed right yeah yeah you <laughs> try, know try. so he's throwing it really really hard <laughs> and it comes right here and it, it like just bloop goes down to the ground now he's very confused so he comes to my translator and he goes why can't i kill that lady and i said well just go and tell him greater is he that is in me than he that is in him and the lord said stop and he brought back to my memory uh, about Elijah and Gehazi when he asked that the Lord open up Gehazi's vision so that he could see that greater are they that are with him than they that are in the army. And so I said, okay, Lord, I just ask you to draw back the veil and show him why he can't kill me. <laughs> and when he did that, I was like I'm surrounded by 20,000 fiery chariots and I have all these huge angels and the man falls over on the floor and gives his life to Jesus just like that. That is incredible. Because he saw into the invisible realm that how is many incredible. were with me, you know. So we I have many many testimonies like that where people actually do come in to try and kill me and they cannot because I have this divine protection. And not only that, but one of my messages is uh, the power of frequency and vibration to shift and change people's mentalities. And so what happens a lot of times is my heart begins to vibrate with the frequency of love. And when they come to attack me, they try and they can't do it because my heart is communicating with their heart, which contains light, even though it's covered over by gross, hideous, ugly, despicable wickedness. When, when they, their heart senses that frequency of love out of my heart, they're completely dismantled. And they, they try everything, they but see, it overcomes the objections of their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. Because Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, Amen. but that through me the world might be saved, for I am the light that lights the whole earth, and the light that lights the heart of every man wow. for to every man is given a measure of faith wow so that measure of faith and that light that is in their heart can be covered over with gross darkness but when it picks up on the frequency of the vibration of love that comes out of me it causes that light to erupt into a fire yeah and they try they really really do try but they can't figure out why they can't kill me is because I've been to over 130 nations 
times. Wow. And one of the things that I find is men everywhere, no matter what their cultural background, have need of three things. One is they all need to be loved. Wow. Number two is their need to give love. And number three is their need to know that they have a purpose here as being sent from God, greater than just going to work and making a paycheck and coming home and paying their bills, that they have a purpose. So once you can become the revelator of those three things, they will do everything to come to that because all men are created for God's love. That's beautiful, that's so beautiful. And like one of the things I think is so cool about that story is just the whole thing of like uh, going into these villages that, that are, um, offensive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right like sometimes in the in the western church we're like i'm offended by this person because they said something mean about me on facebook but here you're actually talking about a place where they're looking to to cut off your head or your scalp or your tongue or mm-hmm. you know like it's a different level of of offense right yes and you went in there um uh with with this redeemed kind of like what they have to add um, to the body of Christ and in this in this kind of this re, um, redeemed identity before there's been any sort of repentance or the fruit thereof mm-hmm. and and you're going in with with a with a heart posture of honor mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of all of their offensiveness and wicked I, I think that's I think that's incredible. I, I I wonder if sometimes we go into places looking to transform it when we don't really have a revelation of their true identity in the spirit. Mm-hmm. That's you true. Know? I was in uh, one village one time, and I was actually called by the president of the nation because there was an uprising there, and the there were six thousand men whose heads were cut off, and their their disemboweled bodies everywhere, and their widows and their orphans ran out into the woods because they, of course, thought they were going to be next, but the children actually saw the beheading of their own wow. father. Wow. And so uh, I was my, my purpose was to go and gather them up and to minister the love of God to these people. So I bring them into the place called uh, the Honai, which is kind of a big community building. And I have all the widows and all the orphans in there, and I'm saying, okay, Father, what do I have to teach them that is going to change where they are at the present moment? And he said, I want you to teach them about forgiveness. And I'm looking outside the building, and there are literally mountains of heads piled up like 30, 40 feet high of heads of their, their parents, their fathers. And I said, so you want me to teach about forgiveness when the disemboweled bodies of their husbands are right outside because there they don't have walls. It's all open. And he said, do you trust me? And I said, well, of course, Lord, I trust you. Mm -hmm. So I began to teach them about the power of forgiveness, that forgiveness, greater than witchcraft or homosexuality or any other thing, is the one thing that prevents people from coming into the overcomer life. So anyway, I taught for uh, the whole day just on how to forgive your enemies, how to forgive those who persecute you and uh, abuse you and all that kind of thing. And I was in the middle of that and of course the women and the children are looking out at the dead bodies of their husbands and their fathers back at the back all of a sudden I saw the head of a man peering around the building 
And he was the only man there. All the rest of them are all dead. So I, I pointed at him and I said, sir, could you come forward? I think the Lord really wants, no, 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 no. He goes, puts up his hands, no, 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 no. And I said, really, the Lord who created the whole universe, he wants to speak to you today. And so the man finally came up to the front and it turned out he was the chieftain of the tribe that ordered the beheading of all those men. Oh my goodness. And so wow. I turned to the widows and the orphans and I said, today the Lord gave you a lesson on forgiveness. And so we're going to activate that principle today and we're going to forgive this man who was the chief proponent of the violence against your families. So the widows and the orphans went and they got water and they came and washed this man's feet. And the man just fell into weeping and sobbing and crying. And of course, he gave his life to Jesus right there. So I, wow. I, I told him, I said, now, tomorrow, you go out in the forest and bring your entire tribe in here. And we're going to forgive them all in the same way. So he brought them all in. And oh my, we had a true revival that day. I'll tell you what, they were weeping and sobbing and crying. And because they realized these widows, and orphans, these children, had such a power of God on them that they, they actually turned their hearts. And before the whole thing was over, the whole tribe gave their life to That's Jesus. That's incredible. That's and, amazing. You know, the cool thing is, is they made me the queen of their tribe. <laughs> really? And they, they actually brought me this dress that takes like two years to make because it's all itty bitty, teeny tiny beads sewn onto leather. Queen and they Cohen. gave me a crown <laughs> with real tiger's teeth in it. Yes. And a diadem that would rule here. All you have to do is rule your... And I'm thinking, God, you're just so awesome and so good. They even gave me a, a tribal name. <laughs> really? What was, yeah. it, what, what was it that? It was Bubba Luana. Bubba Luana. Bubba Luana. Queen Bubba Luana. <laughs> I love it. That's so, incredible. Yeah. But the Lord, you know, when he, um, he, when he commissions you, wherever he guides, he yeah. also provides. And everything that you have need of to fulfill your purpose is provided by him. Yeah. Not by me, but by him. The forgiveness thing is interesting. Um, for people uh, that are listening or watching, and they've been through maybe an experience in their past or maybe even this last year, and they have chosen in their heart um, to forgive. Mm -hmm. and to release mm -hmm. um, uh, people from, from that offense. Um, and yet, it feels like they're still attached. It feels like there's still a soul attachment or tie mm -hmm. to, to the offense. Um, uh, and I bring this up because of my own journey this mm -hmm. last year, mm -hmm. where I had chosen in my heart to forgive and just bring it before the Lord. Have I really? Have I really? Have I really forgiven? I've chosen to forgive. I've confessed. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth. But I still feel attached. And it wasn't until the person actually came and sat down, and I didn't even want to meet with the person because there was just so much distrust and 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 and, and issues there. Mm -hmm. But I finally um, sat down with the person, and they began to repent. Mm -hmm. And and I said, I forgive you and release you of all judgment. And then I felt. Uh, the whole thing shift and I haven't felt any attachment and I, and, I, and even noticing 
There are days that I don't even think about it. There are weeks I don't. And and so You're I wanted free. to ask. Yeah, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask about that about mm-hmm. that place where when we um, how that works in the spirit when when you've purposed something in your heart and yet there's still there's still a, some sort of attachment. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any insight or revelation on how on on why I would still be a little bit? Yeah. Um, actually, for 18 years, I was involved in deliverance ministry. Okay. And for six days a week, eight hours a day, what I did. Was was deal with demonic ties and soul ties that held people to things of the past. And so there are things you can confess with your mouth that you've forgiven, and you can even repent for the anger and the bitterness, but every cell in your body has memory. And it's called random access memory. And that random access memory, you think you've confessed, you think you've been healed, but the first time something comes up, all of of a sudden all of that random access memory comes up and you begin to remember the thing that happened and that causes it to open up that wound again and wow, again wow, and again wow, yeah. and so you you have to deal with the the access or the random access memory that's in your cells but i have seen so many people can i just give you an example please yeah, that'd one. Be great. i had this woman one time who was a migrant farm worker and she was an illegal she came over from Mexico with her family and they were plant pickers and they would go from California to Texas and pick all the fields and when she was about five her father began to turn her out to be used by the men that traveled with them and from the time she was five to the time she was 15 she was systematically raped at least three to four times per night by all of these men from five until 15. When she finally ran away to get away from all the violence, she married a man who was worse than her father, and he was a very violent abuser. He would break all of her bones, beat the Sam snot out of her, beat up her children, and he was alcoholic and drug addicted. And one night, he came home in an alcoholic rage, and he set their house on fire and killed seven of her children were burned up in that fire. If anybody ever had reason to be mad, (laughs) it was her, okay? But she had lived her entire life in torment. And whenever she came, she goes, I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, and I pray, and I pray, and God never answers. And I said, well, the issue is unforgiveness. So I said, what we need to do is we need to go back and forgive your father, forgive every man who ever raped you, forgive your your husband who killed all of your children and beat you up. I used to have to go to the hospital at least once or twice a month because he would break all of the bones in her body, That's kick crazy. in her, break That's her crazy. ribs, all that kind of stuff. And she said, well, how can I do that when I don't even remember the names of those men? And I said, well, the Holy Spirit remembers them. So what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes, and we're just going to allow those men to be paraded in front of you. And so it took like two or three days because there were hundreds of men, okay? And by the time that whole thing was over, That woman became the single most joyful person I've ever met in my whole life. And in fact, today she's she's in Africa in ministry. But the 
proof of, of her complete resolution of that anger was about two years later, her father showed up on her front porch and he had cancer. And he had no money, no, no way to go to a hospital. So for the next two years, she took him in and ministered to every need he had until the day he died. The very same man that turned her over for rape every, every night for 10 years. So the issue is when that forgiveness is complete and whole, there is nothing that can stop the floodgates of joy from opening up. Because the Word says He's given us power, power to remit sins, that whosoever sins we remit, they'll be remitted. And whosoever sins we retain, they'll be retained. So basically what she did as the Lord was marching all of these men before her, she said, I remit their sins. And I ask you, Lord, to help them, heal them, deliver them, set them free. And by doing that, she effectively severed and separated the thing that bound her to them through a soul tie. Wow, that's powerful. It's that's incredible. Very, that's very a, thanks powerful. for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, what about, and, and I'm sure I've, I've, I've even maybe even repeated this story incorrectly, but there was a story about you went into some sort of club or nightclub. <laughs> I don't know if it was a vampire club and you grab a <laughs> microphone or something. And uh, yeah. yeah, would you be willing to tell us that story? I, I would like to hear it um, accurately. Okay. I, I heard That's it good. accurately, but you know how sometimes our memories change things and mm -hmm, stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I'd love to hear it from you. <laughs> Well, I, I wasn't always a minister. Okay. I, ha I had three very sizable businesses, and one of them was a real estate brokerage firm. And I was doing a closing one uh, day with a, a, a group of people, a consortium from China, who were buying a big apartment complex. And we went in early in the day, but the funding was coming from overseas, which of course time-wise were flipped. So we were there all day in most of the evening before all of the funding and everything was finalized. And as I came out of the, the the place of closing, I had come early in the morning. So my car was like way down, I think maybe three blocks away from the closing company. But now it's midnight. And, you know, I still have to walk from the title company down to get in my car. As I was going down the street, I had to pass by a satanic nightclub. And this was a very infamous nightclub in our area that many people from the satanic order of Melchizedek actually would meet there. Hmm. And there are people that did human sacrifices and ate uh, human organs and drank human blood. And of course at night they get quite raucous. So I was walking to my car and outside of this satanic nightclub there were these young men and they were uh, they were obviously doped up high. I mean, their their eyes were dilated so big. They had like 50 body piercings that many of them were bare-chested. Mm -hmm. Some of them uh, had their hair all spiked up with piercings all over their body, which, by the way, they were not ashamed to show me where their <laughs> body piercings were. Right. Look at this and, one, Yeah, right? <laughs> look at this one, you know? And so um, and being a deliverance minister, I've never really been fearful, but I just thought to myself... That's what I was going to say. Because when you talk, it seemed like the woman without fear. Well, with these, you know. actually, that's true, because yeah. the thing you fear will come upon you. Wow. So wow. anyway, I'm walking down, and they start screaming all of these violent, heinous, sexual insults and stuff. And I thought, you know, 
it's probably a good idea for me to pick up my pace a little bit. So I begin to walk a little bit more quickly and suddenly I heard a voice. And the voice said, I want you to go back into that nightclub. And immediately, honestly, I rebuked the devil because I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, well, that is definitely not God because what part does light have with darkness? Right. And so I begin to argue with the Lord, which, of course, is a total waste of time. And I'm saying, Lord, you said you've given us the spirit of wisdom and I'm by myself. And your word says wherever two or more are gathered there, you know, that whatsoever things we ask. And I said, I'm only one. So how about tomorrow? Tomorrow, I'll come back it and bring all of my intercessors. It wouldn't you know, be biblical for you to go biblical. by yourself, right? Yeah, and so I just <laughs> kept walking. And I walked a, about another half a block, and the second time, the Lord said, I said, I want you to go back in that club. And immediately, I started arguing, and I said, you know, you've given me the spirit of wisdom, and now my husband doesn't even know where I am, and it's almost midnight, and blah, and I'm arguing with the Lord. <laughs> right, and, and I right. just kept walking. And I got to my car, and when I reached out to touch the handle of my car, like a trumpet blast, he shouted in my ear, and he said, did you tell me that you would go where I told you to go, and do what I told you to do, and say what I told you to say, and be what I told you to be? And I said, yes, Lord, but, and I knew I was going to have to go back. So I turned around, I walked very slowly back, <laughs> and I got across from this club, and I'm standing there watching all of these young men. One of them had like an eight-foot boa constrictor uh, wrapped around his neck and crawling down his arm. Another one had this big, big link, uh, chain-link necklace with human bones wow. hanging off of the human bones, and underneath that, all tattooed up with evil, vile Garden of Eden scenes, you know. And of course, by the time I got there, they really went started to go berserk and I'm thinking to myself well maybe the father doesn't really want me to go in there maybe what he wants to know is would I be willing to go in there so I'm standing here Lord and I'm really willing <laughs> but he didn't let me off the hook so I walked across the street and when I uh, came in the middle of all of these young men they began to run their fingers through my hair and one guy stuck his tongue in my ear going like this just flicking his tongue in and out of my ear and one of them running his hands down my and I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, you better be with me or I'm in big trouble here. <laughs> you know? So I walk through the door, and when I got through the door, this is going to begin to happen to multitudes of people, not just me, because I'm just a, a, I'm just a catalyst and a forerunner. These, Amen. Amen. This Amen. level of functionality is going to begin to hit the body. And so I walk in. And the whole spiritual atmosphere completely shifted. All of the singing stopped. All of the dancing stopped. All of the joking stopped. And I'm looking around. And being a very well-trained deliverance minister, I know that the eyes are the yeah. windows of the soul. So I'm looking from person to person. And I'm dressed in a three-piece vested suit dripping with gold because I just came out of this closing. And the people that are in there, the men are dressed in black black robes with belts with upside down crosses hanging on them. The women are dressed in see-through gauze. They have their hair ratted up high. Their faces are all sprayed white and they've got their eyes all blacked out. Wow. And on every table there is a vase of urine with the cross of Jesus Christ turned upside down wow. in the vase of urine. Wow. 
And I'm standing there, so when I walked in, all activity stopped, and every eye in that place just turned around and looked right at me because I obviously didn't belong there, <laughs> okay? And and they were just like staring at me, and probably it was only three or four seconds, but to me it was like three hours, right, okay? Right. <laughs> and I'm looking to all of their eyes just trying to find, because we have this mentality, oh, Lord, if there's only one person in here, you just show me that one person, and yeah. I'll take that one one person out and so I'm looking in all of their eyes but I can't see any light anywhere and suddenly the Lord said I want you to go down to the music stand and I'm thinking oh God he's gonna make me preach the gospel in here I just know it so, so anyway this is, this is the way I remember it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. so, okay. so, so I walk down to the music stand all the musicians back away and I'm standing there just looking trying to figure out what the heck am I doing in here I have no idea why I'm even here and I, I'm looking at their eyes but I, I became so distracted by their eyes I closed my eyes and when I closed my eyes for the first time in my life I heard the sound of all creation groaning and it, it was like a living sound and and, and it had a, a life of its own and the only way I can um, the only way I can describe it is one time I saw a, a National Geographic type special where they were actually filming and doing audio testing of the first birthing, first live birthing of a killer whale. And this little killer whale, they had audiologists there from all over the world because they're trying to prove that whales and dolphins communicate through frequency. Mm -hmm. And so this little baby whale, it pops out and it's making all these beautiful joyful melodious sounds just so excited to be out and it's playing around the mother and then it it goes off a little way until it disappears from sight and the mother sounds out in the deep with this groaning sound and the little baby comes skittering back and it's just playful and happy and making these very high-pitched sounds and then pretty soon it goes out a little bit further and the mother sounds out into the deep like deep calling unto deep and the little baby comes skittering back and it's just the beautiful beautiful not just the picture but the sound but after a few days this little baby got sick and they took the baby away from the mother and they put it in a concrete sea world containment unit and now that little baby would swim around and around and around groaning and moaning and crying out trying to find the source of its creation and the mother was out in the sea and she was going around in circles sounding out into the deep trying to find her baby but they could not communicate with one another because they were separated by a concrete wall as I was sitting there in that honestly the truth of the matter is I forgot I was in a satanic nightclub because this sound began to wrap around me like a vortex and and once there would be one sound and then 10 sounds and then a hundred sounds and they're like rapping all around me and I burst into uncontrollable weeping because I said Lord what is this sound and he said even now 
all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of the living God. All you have to do is sound back and they'll come. And I thought, sound back? Well, you know, what do you mean, preach the gospel? No, just sound back and they'll come. And I'm sitting listening to the Lord. And then he said, he said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. I am the light that lights the whole earth and the light that lights the heart of every man. And he said, inside of their heart, there is a light. If you will allow the light that is in you to speak to the light that is in them, you can say, Lazarus, come forth, and they will come. And I'm, I'm standing on the stage, and I'm thinking to myself, what sound can I make? I, I don't understand what it is that the Lord wants. And so for many years, I couldn't tell this story because I was totally ashamed. Wow. But not knowing what to do, I, I opened up my eyes, and I'm just looking for the one person that the Lord sent me in there after, and I couldn't see anybody. So I just turned around and left. As soon as I got outside of that club, the devil jumps right on my shoulder and he says, some big prophet of God you are. You couldn't even figure out how to sound back and you could have led all those people out to Jesus in just laughing and mocking. Wow. And, and because I was ashamed and I thought that I had really, really failed in not understanding how do you respond with a sound? I don't understand, okay? So for the next two and a half years, I didn't tell a single soul, not even my husband, none of my intercessors, nobody knew what happened in that club because I felt like I had really failed God. Almost three years from that day, I was doing a big women's conference, and there were about 5,000 women in this big group of people. And way back at the back, I'm just doing like we did in the age of the church, just touching people, prophesying over this one and over that one. And way back in the back, there was this young woman, and over her head, a huge window from heaven opened up. And there were charging wild stallions just flying through this window, which of course means power. And I thought to myself, there is my divine appointment. So I moved back to this girl and I laid hands on her and began to prophesy over her and she went into screaming and wailing and crying and weeping and buried her head in my in my chest and wiped mascara and makeup all over a $3,000 suit somebody bought me. Anyway, I uh, I thought, well, what an interesting response was that. So I turned around and I finished out the meeting. Afterwards, that woman came to me. She said, you don't remember me, do you? And I looked at her and I said, honey, I prophesy over tens of thousands of people every year. Please don't be offended if I don't recognize you. And she said, well, it's no wonder. I don't look anything like the first time you saw me. She said, you remember almost three years ago when you walked into that satanic nightclub? And I mean to tell you, my spirit sat bolt upright in my body because I hadn't told a single person about that. And I said, yes. 
she said, well, I was the satanic high priestess of the cult that was meeting there, wow. the coven that was meeting wow. there. And she said, when you walk down to the front, and, and, and she said, I was sitting in the front table, and everything in me wanted to leap out of my chair, rip your head off, and drink your blood. And I thought, oh, well, you know, that's good, times. That, that's good night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, and then something happened. You completely disappeared, and there was an explosion of blinding white light in your place. And she said, I, I, I tried to look at that light, but it was like I felt like the cornea was going to burn right out of my eyes. And she said, I, I would put my hands up in front of my eyes and try to peek through my fingers, but it was just too bright. She said, then you turned around and left as fast as you came in. And when the door shut behind you, I was totally blind. And she said, I went to two of my friends, and I asked them to take me to my apartment. And, uh, and of course, when I got there, they didn't want to leave me because they knew I couldn't see anything. And I said, just go away and leave me alone. And as soon as I heard the latch fall on the lock, I threw myself down and gave my life to Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And since that day, she said, I've led almost every member of that cult to That's the Lord. Incredible. That's and so incredible. The, the, wow. the issue is these are the ways that the Lord is going to increase our level of functionality so that he, he draws the veil away and allows them not to see us, but Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because the word says in Ephesians 1, there is a mystery of God that has been hidden in Christ since the very beginning. And that mystery is that the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, almighty God, so big and so huge that he created everything in few words, could actually fold himself up so small that he could put himself in us. And as we're entering into the age of the kingdom, the good news is that God who folded himself up so small that he could put himself in us is now unfolding. And the thing that has not been revealed is about ready to be revealed, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Come on, come so, on, come yeah. on. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, uh, I, I didn't hear, I've, I've never heard all those details. Mm. And so that was such a beautiful, such a beautiful story. <laughs> um, it, you know, when I, when, when we met up today, uh, came to the house, um, Phil mm. and Wendy Joe, Serna, mm. and, mm. and, and just, it was just amazing to be invited into, into their environment, into their home. And, mm. and then of course, sitting on the couch, uh, was, uh, uh Steve and, and Nancy, mm. uh, Hampton, and they got all the, the, uh, I call bulls. them singing bulls. singing bulls. I don't know mm. if that's what really, you know, um, and he was demonstrating these different bulls and, and, and you guys had, had a conversation about, about frequency. And you were talking about that earlier uh, mm -hmm. today uh, mm -hmm. as far as just the revelation that you've learned regarding frequ frequency and um, and just in this, this conversation uh, I was reminded of, of something I just heard recently about what they're discovering when it comes to um, what they're learning right now as far as what gravity is mm -hmm. and uh, and that for a long time they had a misunderstanding of what gravity actually was and that now they're they're learning that gravity is actually a frequency okay. and they're trying to figure out ways to create their you know gravity in order to create you know uh, defense 
uh, things for the army you know imagine being able to create something where you can't you're incapable of touching me just through mm-hmm. frequency and mm-hmm. and so i just thought man it's so fascinating what this just this uh this era of kind of discovery that we're in i mean mm-hmm. it, and the morse law and and the the what's happening in technology and but also what's happening in the church mm-hmm. regarding and so I, I wanted to ask you nancy about um about what you're learning uh, uh, there's so much that you've known over the years, but kind of mm-hmm. what's really bringing uh, excitement to you as far as the mm-hmm. way learning how God has created things to function and and, and govern when mm-hmm. it comes to frequency, and maybe also, I'm kind of curious because of what you know, are there things that you do uh, also to protect you from negative frequency or yes. these different kinds of things? So mm-hmm. I was wondering if we could actually dive into that particular conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, from the day that I had that experience in the nightclub, see, I went in there think I was going doing, I was going there to do something for them. Mm. And actually they did something for me, wow. which wow. was to release an understanding of what it means all creation is groaning. So the word says in Romans chapter 8, all creation is groaning for what? The manifestation of the sons of the living God, which we are. Not only all creation is groaning, but we ourselves are groaning within ourselves for what? Redemption of the body. Okay? So the frequency that the Lord is bringing us into in this moment is for one thing, redemption of the body. Wow. And and I have to ask myself, is that this body, or is that this body, or is that this body, or the body of everything that's ever been created? And the answer is yes. (laughs) So for seven years, I was making the sound of the frequency having no idea what it produced at all. And uh, the first time, I actually went down on the ground for seven days, 24-7 around the clock for seven days in this deep, deep, deep level of groaning. And after that, I mean, I, I just did it because I felt it was the Lord. But my soul is talking to me at the same time because that can happen. You know, your soul, my soul is saying, You stupid woman, why are you wasting all of your time with all of this frequency? You should be out making breakfast for your children or you should be out doing. And, and there's always that temptation to look at what you're doing and think, This is stupid. Why am I doing all this? It's a waste of time. You Did know, you feel that's, like it was coming up inside of you? Yes. Like, or was it something that you were like having to make happen, if that makes sense? No, like, it, just would, with, it would just well up. Wow. from within me wow. and for seven years this was happening wherever I would go and uh, and always at very inconvenient times sometimes I'd be at a black tie dinner in Washington DC and all of a sudden whoa, all this stuff would start coming and I would be so embarrassed I would like want to run and hide was okay? it like a travail or just more like a, no, like a childbirth a- actually kind travailing of? is different this the words the, the, so it's the like words a brokenness are or yes something. travailing is for birthing something from the invisible okay. realm into the visible realm. Okay. This word groaning comes from the word sustanazo, and what that means literally interpreted is all things groaning together on the same frequency. Wow. And it uh, and actually Jesus groaned. Uh, in fact, the, when he went to the tomb of Lazarus, the word said, they ran out and met him and said, Lord, Lord, if only you had been here, our 
our brother wouldn't have died. And the word said he groaned deep within himself. Mm, interesting. It's sustenazo. So then he goes to the grave, overlooking the grave. And the second time it says he groaned deep within himself. Wow. And then he said, take me down to the grave and roll away the stone. He groaned deep within himself. Interesting. Wow. And what was the result? Redemption Life. of the body. Wow. Okay. So um, I, for seven years, I'm doing this on a regular basis, but I have no idea what the what it's producing at all until one time I was doing a prophetic uh, a prophetic meeting at our own church and this word came out in the middle of praise and worship somebody out there has a word from the Lord and it doesn't sound like something God would say in fact it sounds a little ridiculous and you don't want to get up and get it because you're not sure it's really God the Lord says get up here and give it so we continued to worship nobody came so the second time I took the mic and I said, look, the Lord says somebody out there has a word that sounds totally ridiculous. The Lord says it's a timely word for right now. Get up right now and come and give that word. And so we worship. Nobody comes again. So for the third time, I stood up and I said, the Lord said somebody out there has a word. And if you don't get up here right now and give that word, this prophetic meeting is hereby canceled because that's why we're here. Okay. Wow. And so sure enough, this man, he was about 40. He came hardly able to walk. He's like shaking his whole body. And he comes up to the front and he says, the word of the Lord is get on the one note and when he said that i went on the floor Wah! and out of me comes this big note and there's like two thousand people in this meeting and out of two thousand people two little intercessors got down on the floor and got in the one note instantly i was caught up into the heavens and looking down on the earth and i could see the whole earth and every nation making its own sound and it was kind of like uh going to a symphony before everybody's tuned their instruments to one note Interesting. and you have this cacophony and it's going er, 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 er. it's just sound like a, a symphony before everybody tunes their 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 instruments wow. to the one note wow about that time, the Lord stood up in the universe, and he had this huge tuning fork, and he slams it down on this podium, and he raises it up in the universe, and he shouts, get on the one note. And when I'm looking at that, all of a sudden, stuff started happening everywhere. And underneath my feet, there, there, everything that's in the earth is a picture of something in the heavenly realm. So in the earth realm, we have something called the Internet, which is a vast, almost unlimited communications network. Mm -hmm. Over that, we have something called the intranet. And the intranet is where the rulers and principalities communicate with the earthbound demons on how to keep people in doubt and unbelief. Over that, you have another net, and that's called the exonet, which is the communications network of heaven. Mm. As I'm watching, me and two little intercessors get on the one note, 
All of these knots in the note, uh, in, in the intranet, which is the communications network of darkness, begin to shred and tear apart. And all of a sudden, from the exonet, there comes this brilliant blue-white light coming down out of the heavens and striking the place where we are on the earth. And I said, Lord, what in heaven's name does all this mean? And he said, well, you know, Lucifer was the high cherub of worship. Wow. And he said, when he fell, he took with him a mystery. And this mystery has been, has been held back since the very beginning. And that mystery is every note in the musical scale opens a door in the heavenly realms. And he said, inside of every octave, there are seven notes. And these seven, with the eighth note being the beginning of the next octave, seven is the number of perfection. And he said, if you add to our audible scale the, the sharps and flats, you'll find that inside of every octave there are 12 notes, which is the number for government. So he said, inside of every octave is the capacity to restore perfection in government which is kingdom wow that's okay? amazing it's amazing and, and, and so so i'm going really is that is that so awesome and and so anyway i came down out of that experience and i said lord if this is the truth i'm going to test this in the nations and i want you to show me how this functions now in all of this time i've been going all over the world doing all this stuff with governments and heads of governments and 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 when he picked me up and he took me back in my life, I saw every time that frequency came out of my body, somebody was raised from the dead. We tapped into dominion in the area of healing. Somebody's amputated limbs were restored. Some national president, and it was always followed by this sound. Okay, and all of a sudden I realized. It was always followed, so did the sound precede the, yes. the activity? Yes, So. Even in the, even in the, uh, but at the time, I didn't realize that. All that happened with me was this sound would come over out over these dead people and they would be raised from the dead. And, and the thing that affected me and impacted me about that was everything that has ever been created in the earth or in the universe is created by sound. Amazing. And even even in the beginning, the Word says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you look up the, the definition of Word, it means a frequency. That's incredible. Or a combination of frequencies that communicates. Frequency okay. sparks Frequency creation. Frequency sparks creation. That's amazing. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times, and of course, I, I have testimonies about what you can do with let there be light, which, by the way, is also a frequency. Mm -hmm. And every sound that's in the word is also a frequency. And so I begin to study the sounds in Scripture, and I put together a teaching, and I begin to teach it in the nations. And... <laughs> The testimonies that come out of those teachings I gotta get would hold of that. blow I your I can mind. They really it. would, really would blow your mind. <laughs> That's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Whole yeah. geographical territories have been saved by nothing more than the sound. No preaching, no teaching, no tracks, no nothing. Just make the sound, yeah. and it happens. It's interesting, even with um, Acts chapter two. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the sound that it describes. And, it, and then a lot of people think it, it was a literal wind, but it says, it, you know, it, it had the sound like 
mm-hmm. it, but it's referring mm-hmm. to the sound that precedes mm-hmm. the infilling mm-hmm. uh, and the it's amazing I have so many stories about how that has changed uh, whole geographical territories. It really is amazing. The octave thing is interesting, too. One of our worship environments that we were hosting here on Sunday, uh, uh, I heard I heard the sound in the spirit of the uh, of an octave. And I, the sound I heard was like a, hmm. oh, 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 same note, but an octave mm-hmm. apart. Mm-hmm. And so I was praying and asking the Lord, like, what does that mean? And then, and then, so I went to Sandy, and and, and she's one of our elders and pastors. And I, I, eight, what's the significance mm-hmm. of eight, and the whole thing with the Trinity and 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 the new new creation, and you know, and everything that you were talking. So we led the body into that place of mm-hmm. of singing the octave, mm-hmm. you know, oh, and the worship team grabbed a hold of it. But mm-hmm. it, it created an, an amazing atmosphere. I, what you're talking about is that place where frequency creates reality. Mm-hmm. It does. I have a whole teaching that I do. It's called the math and the science of heaven. Mm. Because um, even at the present moment, people say, don't mix up science with God. And don't mix up mathematics with God. And I think, really? He's the most scientific being in the multi-universe. Yeah. Why not mix up science? Because actually for this moment in, in the, the history of the church, a primary word given to the church is called quantum physics Mm -hmm. and if you go back and you uh, uh, actually um, get the meaning of what that term means it means the construction of the sum of all things wow that's That's incredible so so you know what we just uh, finished up our fifth quantum shift and the people that have been coming since the beginning will say beyond a shadow of a doubt they've grown more in the last year and a half than they have in the last 40 and the reason is because of quantum because quantum is a definable thing that the Lord is doing so in the age of the church we've been operating in actually less than 10% of the full functionability that's why everybody doesn't get healed and why everybody doesn't get saved and why everybody isn't walking the way they're supposed to because we've been operating at a very very low level of functionability so the word says it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but when we see him as i am not just as your healer your deliverer your provider um but when you see him as i am that's everything from the beginning to the end then we shall be like him Mm -hmm. okay when we uh, see him as in a mirror reflected the word says then we shall know him as well as he knows us which is what What does he know about us? Every thought we have, every word we speak, every deed we do, how many cells are in our body, how many hairs are on our head, he knows it all. And his word says, when you see him as in a mirror reflected, then you shall know him as well as he knows you. One of the things that we do through Global Ascension Network is uh, we bring people into the heavenly realms so that they can actually follow the example of Jesus who said, I, Jesus, the Son of Man, of my own self can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Only that which I see the Father doing. 
So I don't speak of myself, only that which I hear the Father saying. So if Jesus, of his own self, could do nothing except that which he saw the Father doing and that which he heard the Father saying, how do we think we can accomplish anything of eternal value if we can't see what the Father is doing? Right, right. So for the last 40 years, I've been ascending and descending since the first time that the Lord caught me up. And now I've been training people in the nations to come into that same place. Then when they come back down, they can take the position they have at the right hand of God the Father and make their position in heaven their condition on the earth. And therefore, whatever they decree and declare, we can prove conclusively. As soon as they go and they see what the Father's doing, and they come back and decree and declare what only what they see the Father doing, not what they think He wants to do, within seven days, it actually manifests in the earth realm. Because they're coming into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, bringing them into maturity, not because they're being taught, because the word says uh, we're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. When we read that word, we think of doctrine, but the truth is a person. Mm, amen. So, so we can learn and study our whole life, but until we learn to come to the knowledge of the truth, we're still very limited. And today the Lord is beginning to take the caps off of the limitations of our functionability and bringing us into the fullness of our inheritance. That's where we're going. Yeah, that's awesome. And mm. uh, and the Global Ascension Network mm -hmm. it has really taken off. you got people mm -hmm. all over the world that, that are going through this. And we'll make sure that we put uh, a link uh, to that in the mm -hmm. show notes. So we'll want mm -hmm. people to, if, if this is resonating with you, to make sure that you're connecting with um, Nancy and, and the team. Um, and your daughter Shannon is really leading, helping to lead the charge with 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 <laughs> with that network, which is which is really exciting. And yeah, like what you were talking about, that whole place of uh, people wanting or bringing a warning to separate science with spirit, spirituality. I mean, I think that's where we got ourselves into trouble. Um, that's where we really saw the church begin to isolate. When you look at all the pioneers of mathematics and sciences, and and um, and even when it comes to the the greatest medical breakthroughs, even to the instigating of our college. Of of our educational institutions mm -hmm. it was all taking place by people by people's curiosity to entangle their spirituality with their passion mm -hmm. and and there was no there was no barriers or division there there was this invitation that was like the portal in in in, in this era of, of for for mm -hmm. you know for human culture is that we get to take what we know about the bible and then to be invited by this spirit into the understanding of creation and how creation works and and I think it's so interesting that there was that point where it was really a spirit of fear that came into the church that said, oh, no, you can't. You can't entangle your passion with spirituality. There has to be, because of the danger, the fear of the devil, the fear of <laughs> of, of cultural pollution. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden we begin to see the church very fragmented and divided. And and, and it's, it's it, I love the fact that that those divisions are coming down and you have conversations now um, uh, 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 and we're talking about hosting a conference on just education mm -hmm. and and inviting people that have influence and have degrees and people that, that where that's their expertise mm -hmm. you know because I think that, that that's what we need to do mm -hmm. is really say where is there separation between our spirituality the truth you know Christ and the revelation that he has mm -hmm. and um, of course has been a popular 
popular conversation with Hollywood and and, uh, and the church, like everybody's <laughs> eager to get into Hollywood, but there's so many areas where there still is like, oh, careful, you know, you know, yes, let's go into Hollywood, but because that used to be the danger zone, mm-hmm. but there's still so many places where, where where there's still that level of fear, but it's being addressed, mm-hmm. and there are these different. Con- I mean, even with the thing of frequency, mm-hmm. I'm sure the second we start talking about frequency, there'd be people like, now careful, brother, careful, you know, oh, yeah, you know, the, you know where sure. that, you know where that'll take you, you know, yeah, um, and, it'll take you straight to death to self <laughs> that's, what, that's what comes as a result of that i can tell you and so it's it's, it's just cool it's just cool to see mm-hmm. uh, the openness and not only that but just what i would say is like gospel integration mm-hmm. um and uh, the lord was speaking to me recently about the great commission as the way it's played out in mark where jesus basically says go everywhere and good news everything and mm-hmm. good news it, good news it, good news it until its programming begins to change, and um, uh, and and its programming be- comes into alignment with the character and nature of Christ. You know, and that only happens through good newsing something, mm-hmm. and that's what I really see you operating in this place where there's <laughs> where there's not um, fear, so that there can be love because love and fear can't coexist in the same environments. They cannot. And uh, and so I just love this this message of courage and empowerment, mm-hmm. really that you're walking in, and and just your willingness um, to come to Seattle, um, not even to de- to do meetings. Like you came here to build relationship, mm-hmm. and that's that that's the culture of the uh, of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is composed of relationship, and I just really appreciate that about you mm-hmm. and just your heart and just what you're going after what you're pioneering mm-hmm. um and and your heart to not just do this stuff and then and then get and you ask people who, who wants to touch you you know yeah. but you're really like you're activating people to really begin to trailblaze you know to be likewise trailblazers so i just appreciate well, that well seattle is a very strategic place and um, actually, when um, Phil and Wendy Joe invited me to come here, I had been telling my daughter, we need to go back to Seattle. Because, oh, really? yes, for, for actually, we were trying to figure out a day and a time when we could do that because our whole schedule is like, <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> you know? And, and so when we first began to talk about that, I said, well, I really, really want to go, but we don't have any time. So the Lord canceled one of our <laughs> one of our conferences, and I said, "Aha! There's our time." You know, and I would actually go across the world to meet one person if wow. the Lord says uh, this person is very, very strategic. One time, uh, I had a man who invited me to come to Hawaii to do a big conference. He goes, "I guarantee you're going to have a three thousand people there," and I said, "Okay." So we set up the thing, and I got there. Three people showed up. And I said, Lord, are you telling me I came all the way to Hawaii for three people? And he rebuked me firmly, and he said, how do you know that one of those three people is not the next Billy Graham? And I, oh, immediately I repented, you know. It didn't turn out to be the next Billy Graham, but what it did turn out to be is somebody who's really supported my ministry financially for 25 years. That's you incredible. Know? So it's... Uh, so you were feeling kind of a stirring regarding just Seattle and just the region yes, and stuff. Yes, Seattle um, is very, uh, very... And it has to do with several different visions that I've had throughout all the years of the Lord raising up lighthouses. Mm-hmm across the the nation and actually one of them is hollywood 
And the issue is, it, you know, for probably 15 years, I wouldn't even go to a movie. Okay. <laughs> Today, I go to every one that comes out. And I cannot wait now <laughs> right. to get to see Lion King because oh, yeah. I think it's opening up today. <laughs> and when I first saw Lion King as a cartoon, I took my little granddaughter because I, I wouldn't even go to a movie, but she's my granddaughter and she wanted to see Disney's Lion King. So I went to Lion King and I am like totally blown away. I wrote, a message for six months I preached on the Lion King and it was 48 prophetic messages inside the Lion King so when uh, when Simba comes back as a fully grown lion having seen the reflection of his father in the water and this little monkey beating him over the head remember who you are remember who you are I would just stand I just stood up and I yelled go Simba and my daughter Ashley a granddaughter Ashley says Mimi would you please sit down? <laughs> You're embarrassing me in front of everybody. So after that, for six months, literally, I preached a message on the Lion King, and I, I got, got this big old blow-up limb, and I went to all of these churches where they'd have all these multitudes of pastors on the front row, and I'd jump off the stage, and I'd go whack them in the head and say, remember who you are. That's remember awesome. who you are. And of course, the whole audience would fall out laughing, but they didn't know I was serious. Wow. Okay. Wow. Remember who you are, wow. and remember where you came from. So, yeah. That's awesome. Today, I can hardly go to a movie without seeing so many profound yeah. prophetic messages it's like my spirit wants to bounce out out of my body have you heard of a uh, pastor uh pastor surprise pastor yes i have yeah mm -hmm. uh suppress us uh, -huh. uh, uh we were just with him uh, uh -huh. and got to hang out with him and his family and um and he has quite the revelation on the lion king Oh yeah, and about and he, and about three threads that run throughout that story. Mm -hmm. He talks about a, a a gospel thread that runs throughout. He talks mm -hmm. about like a new age or spiritualistic thread that runs through it, and then mm -hmm. he talks uh, about uh, more like the enemy's thread, um, mm -hmm. or like uh, yeah, like the the devil's thread mm -hmm. that runs through it. And it is it was a fascinating conversation, mm -hmm. and he's got just all of this, but he, yeah, but he loves it, you know, and um, and. I, whenever I think of Africa, I always think of the, the theme song for uh, for the Lion King, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I always joke around here, at whenever we, whenever we talk about Africa, I'm always like, Sumerue! Sumerue! <laughs> <laughs> you know, Africa! And, but he laughed at me, and, and, and he actually, uh, uh, Surprise began to actually sing the real Lion the real King one. song with mm -hmm. the actual lyrics, and then he began to break down the breakdowns of like what those words actually mean and mm -hmm. it was it was just fast it was just fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. i was at the president's prayer breakfast one time and one of the um one of the singers that opened up the president's prayer breakfast sang that song and everybody got angry because they said that's a new age blah 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 and they would just really came down on the fact that they would allow that song to be sung at a presidential prayer breakfast and actually one of the very popular Christian magazines came out with don't let your children go see the Lion King there's this witchcraft monkey and it paints a picture and it picks up the smell and it hears the sound I called that guy and I said, I don't know how to tell you this, buddy, but I'm Rafiki, okay? <laughs> because I'm like beating people on the head. Remember who you are. And, and because uh, my real call is to be a light in the midst of the darkness wow. and not a light. That's why Jesus said, uh, I didn't come for the righteous. 
I came for those that need healing, okay? And so my focus for the last almost 19 years has been much greater amongst the unbelieving, hardcore, anti-Christ, anti-spirited people because that's where the Lord is has commissioned me. And the, the issue for me is Hollywood is a boiling pot. In fact, actually, what's coming out of Hollywood right now, and people can get mad at me all they want, there's more revelation coming out of Hollywood right now than there is out of 90% of the pulpits in the United States. Yeah. The issue is it's written from a slightly darkened perspective, but underneath it, there are huge, vast, unlimited quantities of prophetic unction. Yeah. And so, yeah. It's interesting. I was, I was talking to Bobby Connor about kind of like uh, life agendas versus death agendas and demonic mm-hmm. assignments, angelic assignments, and how that's looking on the earth and and from his perspective and he and he said well yeah he goes i'll tell you it's kind of like these movies that you see like like the x-men movies and avengers movies where there's all these uh creatures coming to destroy and yeah that's that's basically what's happening (laughs) 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 you know he's like if you want to know what's happening go to to the movie theater and that's basically that's basically kind of what's happening in the spirit (laughs) (laughs) well i was teasing somebody the other day i said i think i've seen dr strange about 38 times (laughs) and the reason is because everything that happens in there I operate in. Wow. And opening portals and ending up uh, bilocating and trans-relocating to other places in the earth and all of those things are normal Christian activities. Um, you know, when, you're, when your uh, body actually is extracted from your earthly body and you're carried all around the universe, there is no limit to what we can do when we recognize that those are realities. They're just not... I mean, people would accuse me, especially before we before the age of the kingdom was really opened up because I would preach about stuff that was off the wall even while the age of the church was had not released the age of the kingdom yet and people would come to me and they'd say you're just teaching new age and I'll crawl into the Father, Lord. They're saying, I'm teaching new age. Is it really true? Am I really teaching new age? And he would just laugh. And his response was, after all, my darling, it is a new age. Wow. And and then they would accuse me of being a mystic. And I, you're, you're getting into mystic mysticism. And, and I would think, well, that's really bad. So I'd crawl into the Father. Oh, Lord, they're saying that I'm a mystic. Is it really true? Am I really a mystic? He goes, do you know what a mystic is? Go look it up. So there's like 28 definitions for a mystic. And the first one is, a mystic is someone who receives supernaturally derived information from unseen sources through communion with the divine nature. So the next time somebody would come up, oh, you're just a mystic, I'd go, thank you so much. I'm so glad you can see I have communion with the divine nature. That's awesome. That's awesome. So he took all of those accusations and turned them around because actually they were true <laughs> yeah but it was uh it was the the twisted counterfeit compared to the righteous real <laughs> yeah and that's interesting too because sometimes we're um there are these um taboo topics or buckets where when we don't understand something we just throw it in that bucket mm. and and 
that helps us deal with our own judgment personally but it also kind of takes a lot of things off the table conversationally because there are these different kind of these words that you hear during different periods of time within a generation where mm-hmm. it's like if it's in that bucket you're not even allowed to talk about it you, you know mm-hmm. and um and so the, and certainly our generation has a lot of those things and it's kind of like if you can't figure something out just put a put a very controversial label on it and it's like if you do that you're taking not only the topic off the table you're kind of taking that minister off the table and um and so <laughs> and, and so that's one of the things that, that i've been seeing and that's one of the things i love about doing this particular kind of conversation is we get to talk about stuff mm-hmm. um uh and uh and hopefully what it does is it makes people feel like safe it's okay to dive into the things of the kingdom to to that within the father it is safe and that um and 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 that and and just that whole place of just not allowing um fear one of the things that you know i said nancy you seem like just a fearless woman (laughs) and you said yeah well i I have to be because what you fear the most is the very thing that will come upon you Mm -hmm. and i just wonder sometimes our doctrinal fear like there can be a lot of doctrinal fear Mm -hmm. uh and and i just wonder what that opens up in the spirit Mm-hmm. You know, when we're unwilling to even listen to a conversation or receive someone. The thing or, that you fear really comes upon you. I led this drug cartel dealer from Mexico one time to the Lord, <laughs> and he went out and burned awesome. up $50 million worth of drugs, burned it up wow. in one day. Wow. And obviously the cartel was not happy about that. <laughs> so they they actually put out a contract on him and me both. Wow. And they came and they had these sawed-off shotguns. <laughs> guy he sticks this shotgun right here in my head and he says i'm here to kill you and i laughed and i said you can't kill me i'm already dead (laughs) and the guy looks at me and says what are you talking about and i said well it's no longer i that live but christ in me and he tried to pull the trigger and the and the thing locked and he couldn't pull the trigger. And the funny thing is, is I, he ended, as a result of that, he gave his life to Jesus. And That's he incredible. and the cartel dealer are preaching the gospel all over Mexico now. That's you know? incredible. So the issue is the thing that we fear. And fear is probably the one thing that delays people from forward progression more than any other thing. Fear of intimacy, fear of betrayal, fear of making a mistake, uh, fear of rejection, fear of calamity fear of the dark, fear of loneliness, fear of, I mean, there's so many different kinds of fear, fear of death. You know, the issue at the present moment is, people say, aren't you afraid to go into all these places? I said, absolutely not. Because whether I live or whether I die is not the issue. The issue is, did I complete the purpose for which I was sent there? So I said, if I go to the cannibals and they chop me up and throw me in the stew and the next day they all get saved, I've completed my purpose. So why be afraid of that, you know? And uh, because it, and on top of that, I know that that's not why I'm going. Uh, that's not how I'm going. <laughs> so it's like Jesus, whenever he was in the boat with all the disciples and the storm came up, Lord, Lord, the storm is going to throw us overboard. We're going to capsize. And he just looked at them and just, what? And he just stood up and said, peace, be still. And then he went back to sleep. And the reason was because he knew 
he wasn't going to drown for the sins of man. Okay? So so the issue is um, being able to be caught up and see the things that were, the things that are, and the things that are yet to come really liberates you from all fear because you know there's no way that they're going to kill me because they can't. They try, but until my scroll is fulfilled. And actually, the truth of the matter is we're coming to a generation now that's not going to die, period. So my youth is being renewed. My strength is being renewed. Um, I'm in my 70s. I have 26 grandchildren and six great-grandchildren, and I'm running all over the world. Doing, <laughs> I go, go, go bungee jumping, skydiving, parasailing, hang gliding, deep-sea diving. The issue is we're only as old as we think we are. And even my grandchildren, they have a hard time keeping up with my schedule, okay? And and it's because he's beginning to renew our strength that we can mount up with wings of eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, and not die. There's a whole generation that's coming along that won't die for a thousand years, and that's totally scriptural. People say, how could you say that? And I said, well, I'm just saying what the Word says, okay? Yeah. yeah, Bob Jones, when he was here, he pointed at my daughter and said, she, she'll she be of a generation that does not taste death. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the people in the room thought, what did he say? Nah, what did he he say? didn't just say, well, <laughs> let's just move on, Bob, you know. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. How old is your daughter? She's 10. Okay, so she was born in what year? 2009. Everybody born since the year 2000 was born in Zion. Therefore, when they come here, they have a totally different technology already engrafted into their spirit. Wow. And and the ones that have been born in Zion are going to put us to shame for functionability because they're going to do stuff we haven't even thought of at this present moment. Wow. Because they're already born with that technology engrafted into their spirit. Maybe I think they're calling so. Generation Z, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, from 2000 on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. It is very yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So I listen to my grandchildren talk. <laughs> the stuff that they're talking about, I'm going, what? What? My little two-year-old granddaughter came in one time, and she said, she, today she's 19, but she was two then. And she walks in, and she goes, hey, Mimi, um, Jesus came into my room last night. And I said, he did? And she goes, yeah. And he took me up that thing that, you know, goes like this. And, of course, she doesn't have any grid for a spiral staircase. This thing that goes like this? And I said, yes. And I said, so where did he go and where did he take you? And she proceeded to tell me verbatim places that I've been to for 40 years, going back and forth and back and forth. And I know that I know that I know she was really there. Wow. So at 2. You know, my great grandchild, she she is tapping into stuff that just totally blows my <laughs> mind. She just did a, a thing um, on YouTube where she's telling her mom that I want to go to sleep, but my bones don't want to sleep. And she goes, they're naughty bones because I try to make them go to sleep, but they don't want to go to sleep. And the truth of the matter is when we're really developing in the things of the spirit, the time will come when we don't even need sleep. We don't need water. We don't need food. We don't need any of that because in the realms of the spirit. That's why Jesus said, um, I have food that you know not of. 
Yeah. We really don't have. Do you know Kirby Delanero? Have I haven't met, met him? him. I haven't met him. Uh, yeah. Charlie did an interview with him for uh, mm. for our our show. Yeah. And uh, but I would love to meet him. He's going to be in yeah. Coeur d'Alene, the fillers, mm-hmm. and Justin. Well, uh, when I was in process uh, to get to where I am today. The Lord had me twice a year go on a 40-day water fast really? with no no juice, no yeah. vegetables, no nothing, just 40 days wow. on water. Wow. And what that does is it literally expels all doubt and unbelief. And fear is doubt because you're doubting that God can really, really take care of you and no matter what kind of situation you're in. Yeah. So for all of those years, having to go on a 40-day water fast really dealt with all areas of fear and doubt and unbelief. So Jesus, when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he gets down to the bottom and here's the scribes and the Pharisees and the disciples having an argument. And this father coming to him and saying, Lord, Lord, my son is sore vexed, for he falls in the water one moment and falls in the fire the next moment. And I brought him to your hand-picked, anointed disciples to ask them to cast out the demons and they could not. And Jesus spun around to his own hand-picked disciples, and he said, you wicked and perverse generation, how long do I have to be with you? And he turned and rebuked the demons, and the boy was made whole from that moment. The word goes on to say, Lord, why couldn't we cast them out? Because they'd already cast out demons, and they've already healed the sick. And, And he said, because of your doubt and your unbelief. Wow. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So people think that means Jesus cast the demons out of the boy because he was prayed up and fasted up. It doesn't. He said, your doubt and your unbelief, this kind, your doubt and your unbelief, only come out by prayer and fasting. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. So, and that'd be why there's such a link between prayer, like uh, fasting and then mm-hmm. the miracle, uh, uh, and, uh, the flow of miracles and signs and wonders and that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. um, you don't have those internal blockages allowing the Lord to really move mm-hmm. through you. Well, it, it, it can't move through you because it's not how much faith you have. It's how little doubt. You can have as much faith as a little teeny tiny size of a pepper or corn and still move mountains, but it's how little doubt. We have to deal with the doubt. So that's why the, the Lord doubt said, symptoms. whatsoever things you ask in my name or in my nature, believing and not doubting, you shall have it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always surprised at how much doubt I have. I, like mm-hmm. I'm always confronted with doubt when I see God moving, when, when mm-hmm. I see the miraculous, when I see these different things, mm-hmm. you know. And then all of a sudden, I feel that little that little thing in the heart. And I'm like, oh wow, that there's still some there. Yeah. We're going to deal with that. <laughs> well, people say, well, I don't have any doubt or unbelief, and I said, really. Just go to the church and see the people flooding down to the altar. Everybody will run and pray for somebody's migraine headache or their ulcer. Yeah. But you let somebody come down who's a double amputee and yeah. see how many people yeah. are flooding yeah. around yeah. them. Yeah, great point. You know? Great point. Because the issue is they're thinking, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed in the presence of all these people, then I'm going to be rejected. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the issue is 
Ah, oh, God is so good. Yeah, yeah. He's able to reveal all of those areas of doubt and unbelief. Yeah, so, so good. All of the mystical things that we've been talking about for the last several years are now beginning to be evidenced in God's people because when they're caught up to see Him, to look into His eyes and feel His breath on their face and hear His whispers in their ear, all of a sudden the things of earth grow strangely dim Amen. and they begin to recognize hey jesus said if he did it we can do it indeed greater things than he did will we do we're now entering the day of greater things and i, I, I the first time i ever heard that verse in the spirit i thought oh jesus made a mistake i mean surely he didn't mean to say we're going to do greater things than he did. How is it even conceivably possible that anybody could do a greater right. thing? But he said it, so he doesn't say something without making the way for that to be accomplished. So, Nancy, this has been incredible, and we do need to wrap this up. Yep. Um, uh, just for because I want to honor and just respect your schedule and everything. This has been just amazing, but I, I, I. I just want to, I don't want to wrap this up without asking you first, this, okay. this one last question for you. Okay. And it would be on ascension and intercession and, and kind of, and I know it's huge, but like the, how ascension changes our intercession from perhaps the old paradigm where we're kind of maybe standing on the mm -hmm. earth screaming at God, Oh God. Um, mm -hmm. and so, um, for you, um, and maybe that's even the invitation in for people to go deeper with with the network and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. for you, how does ascension change intercession? Uh, intercession. Actually, when I when I made mention of the fact that in the age of the church we were only tapping into ten percent, that's very evident by intercession because our intercession was totally self-centered. Mm. Lord, I want this. Lord, I need this. Lord, please do this. Lord, and, and, and it, it, is, um, it is very, very childish prayer, okay? Because it's very, very centered around fulfilling or our, our, our keeping us in our comfort zone. Um, in Jesus' walk, there he had different people with different levels of hunger and thirst. So there were those who, you know, as long as he's doing signs and wonders and miracles and things like that, thousands of people would follow him for what he could give them, them. what he could do for them, right. how he could provide for them. Wow. But in the middle of all those thousands, there were 300 who actually obeyed the command of the Lord to go and stay in Jerusalem and don't leave till you get the Holy Spirit. So those had a different level of relationship than the ones who would just seek after him for what he could do for them, what wow. he could give them. Okay, wow. Even in the middle of that, that 300, there were uh, uh, 70, and those 70 had a different level of relationship with him. That's right. Out of those 70, there were 12. And those were the ones that he handpicked and called. They had a different level. They were able to sit around the fire and receive the divine download of revelation from him. But even in that 12, there were three that were the inner core, uh, those who wanted more from him than what he could do for them. Hmm. And actually, even in those three, 
there was only one who would be willing to be identified with him in his suffering mm. as well as in his glory. Wow. So today, everybody in the church, they all want to be acquainted with Jesus, the overcoming, conquering, victorious king, but very few want to be acquainted with him in his, his suffering. suffering. Wow. Okay? So so how does that change our level of prayer? Um if you, if you look, even in the function of the church today, if you have a great, huge, dynamic, internationally recognized healer, and he comes to town and throws a meeting, you're going to have 120,000 people coming. Mm-hmm. But you call for 40 days of prayer and fasting right. and see how many people show up wow. there. Wow. Okay? Wow. So the ones that are being invited into ascension at the present moment are less concerned with signs and wonders and miracles because that's not that's not the primary goal. Mm-hmm. Actually, even Jesus told his own disciples, if you cannot believe me for my name's sake, please at least me believe me for the signs and miracles. Yeah. What he's really looking for is people that hunger and thirst for him only for his nature. They want to be conformed to his nature, okay? And when those people are caught up into heaven and see the things that his nature really reveals, mm. one of which is love, because he is love. Yeah. So when you're caught up, he's so multidimensional, so multi, multi-prismatic. <laughs> Every time you're caught up to see him, he would release to you a different dimension. A different realm of his character and then when you come down here you can actually manifest that which you touched while you were up there but the issue is it takes work Wow. it takes labor wow. it takes time it takes so much and 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 the people as as a general rule they like to take the path of least resistance. That's right. That's so right. what they want is they'll run from one prophet to another prophet to another prophet to another prophet to get the word of the prophet. Right. They have 300 prophecies, but they have yet to do the very first thing to fulfill the first one. Wow. So what the Lord is is looking for is those whose hunger and thirst is so radically geared towards union with the divine nature which cost everything. So I tell people, coming to Jesus costs nothing. It's a free gift. Mm -hmm. Following Jesus costs something, but becoming like him costs everything. And the everything is so worth it. So when people get caught up and they see him as he really is, not just as their savior, their healer, their deliverer, their provider, but as he really is, then, they will become like him. That's okay. awesome. Is that good? Nancy, you are a delight. You are light. And <laughs> you. you certainly are I think carrying that. You the, are because the, your, li- your eyes are so full of light. When you walked in the door today, I went, Whoa, I don't know who this guy <laughs> is, but he's like full of light because the eyes are wow. the windows of wow. your soul. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nancy. This has yeah. been incredible. And we'll, again, we we'll just encourage everybody to go and to check out the show notes. Make sure that you're connecting with Nancy, the incredible things that Jesus is doing in and through her and her ministry. God bless. Thank you. 
podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review, if you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.